Transmissions is powered by listeners like you. If you enjoy our shows and want to help support us, please visit transmissionspodcast.com slash support to find out how to donate. Good news, everyone. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. I see dead people. Wait a minute. Wait a minute, Doc. Uh, are you telling me that you built a time machine? Out of a DeLorean? And knowing is half the battle. What the deuce? Must have the precious. And I'll form the head. You are part of the Rebel Alliance and the traitor. Take it away. What you talking about, woman? Wow. Infotainment. Welcome to Transmissions Extra. This is the show where we record non-Transformer specific things, but um, we're continuing our way through IDW's first strike event comic. Um, this this week we're going to be looking at first strike number two. Uh, with me, as always, is uh, Charles. Welcome to Transmissions Extra. Uh, I was just expecting you to say hi to everybody. <laughs> Hi. Hi. Um, and then we have uh, Daryl. Hello. And we have Yoshi. I am so looking forward to partake in this if I can find the copy of the book to look at. cannot remember what folder we, we saved it in. It's in the 39. Okay. 239. Okay. So uh, before we get into the story, uh, as always with these, uh, there are a million covers. Uh, well, specifically, there are seven covers to this. I'm not going to describe each one, but um, we'll go through our, our favorites. So start with you, Daryl. Which one did you like? Um, huh. I bought cover A um, because it was the one that I was given at my comic book store. And frankly, I didn't care. Um there's I'm looking at them all right now, seeing as which what are available and what were available, and I still don't care. Um, I, there's only two of them seem to have Transformers uh, featured on them, and they're the, both the same Transformer, which is Soundwave. Uh, one of them is uh, in that Aw Yeah uh, style, which is is fun and all, but not not one I particularly like. And then the other one. Is pretty cool, but it's it's kind of a mess. Um, it's a lot happening. Cover so, B has Ironhide on it. Oh yeah, it's his is his face all on the side there. Uh, I'm just gonna stick with cover A because it's what I bought. But um, let the record show that I didn't like any of them. All right, Charles, which one do you like? So I do like that cover D that is by Rob Duenas. I guess. And that shows not just Soundwave, but also Alita One looking pretty badass there with that giant big ass gun. And uh I, I like that image. I mean it's it is a little busy, but I like how all the characters are drawn there. It's kind of not quite super deformed, but you know, a little bit a little bit chibi, I guess. Cool. Wait, I don't know if that is Alita One. I think that is the um, what's her name, um, Shazarella. Oh, Sh- Shaz, uh, really? Oh, Charles, you got to re- revoke I mean, a, I don't... A, a level of your cred. <laughs> Alita One is in this issue, though. I she mean, is, well, she but does... that, that's not her on the cover. Nope, you can't I argue. Guess it. You're right. You're right. 
What was that again? What did you say? Oh, well. She still looks badass. <laughs> she does. All right. Yoshi, which say one do you like? Um, not, he can't move on. He's not going to say <laughs> it, though. I'm with Daryl. What, what, what do you got to say, Charles? Say it, Charles. <laughs> <laughs> Jeremy, play the clip. I, I unplugged the soundboard. Oh, you son of a bitch. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> Easily remedied. Hold on. God damn it, Charles. Yoshi. Charles. Charles. <laughs> okay, Yoshi, which one do you like? Uh, I'm with Daryl. They're all shit. I'll go with cover C just because I kind of like that photorealistic style of the Joes. And uh, yeah, it's, you know, it's one thing to pump out two, three, four, five, six, seven, 20 different covers, but make them covers people care about. I mean, I don't know how you can consistently put out books with multiple covers that are just kind of meh. Like what, what the fuck? They're, they're trying to get the general audience and pull them in, but I have, don't have any transformers on the covers and you're on cyber. Yeah. You know, I'm not, I'm not, I don't know many names in the artistic comic book world, but not one of these are recognizable to me. Like, right. I mean, are, are, I wonder if they're all just noobs or they just don't work on titles I give a shit about or what, but it, it seems like, I think, yeah, I think they just don't work on things we're familiar oh, with. Okay. I'll give them the benefit of the doubt. Hopefully they're transformers artists then because, uh, yeah, I'm going to throw up a little bit in my mouth. All right. Well, and I actually prefer the retail incentive cover A, that more – you said it's a, like the all-yeah style. I think it's more of kind of 50s retro style. And it since I didn't really like any of the, the covers, I'm just going to go with a complete off-the-wall one with Soundwave having a, a tape malfunction all over Scarlet. Oh, my. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I took it there. Perhaps this is the cover I should have picked up. When you when you I, I gave you a whole other way of way. looking at it. <laughs> yeah. Bam chicka wow wow. All right. The first strike number two was written by Margaret Scott and David A. Rodriguez. Art by Max Dunbar. Colors by Ander Zarate. Letters by Tom B. Long. Assistant editor is David Marriott. Editor is David Hedgecock. And publisher is Ted Adams. Uh, I'm going to just point this out because it's bugging me. In the roll call, are we looking at Nemesis Prime or dead Optimus Prime? That's just Optimus Prime. He's not dead yet. They just it's just kind of grayish looking. Okay. Yet? Well, he's Optimus Prime. He tends to die <laughs> every so often. Like he's going down. We just don't know yeah. when. But yeah, it, as someone who knows Transformers, a, a slightly great Transformer, you start worrying about their health. Mm-hmm. So I can see where you got that. All right. The story begins with the Joe team still in Joe Colton's office. As Scarlet finishes reading the letter that Colton left her. The letter ends with a hope that she takes the next thing that happens as a compliment. And as she finishes reading that, a horde of red shadow cyber ninjas burst through the wall and attack them. 
The Joes start blasting the ninjas as they try to make their escape, and they nearly make it to their transport helicopter when it suddenly explodes. Scarlet did manage to make it out with Colton's manifesto explaining why he created the Baron Ironblood identity and why he partnered with Cobra and Venom. And as she's reading this, we see this chaos on Cybertron. Uh, Colton regrets not stopping the Cybertronians when they first appeared, but he saw no better way than the, the way he decided to go go with because the proper channels were already infested with aliens too, referencing the dire wraiths. On Cybertron, Mayhem is driving his semi-truck, the Outlaw, with the talisman inside. They plan on using it to poison the planet's energon, but to do it, they needed Lady Shazrella, the wife of Baron Karza, to interface with the core of the planet. To get her cooperation, they promised her a new body, and she enlists Storm Shadow's help to find an appropriate host, and they're off into the chaos. Under the Greenland Sea, the Joe team meets up with Matt Tracker and Gloria Baker of Mask. They're evaluating what little footage they have of the attack, and Tracker recognizes that Mask technology is being used in those Trojan horse robots. Wanting to get into the fight, they negotiate a meeting with Soundwave on Autobot City to try to get access to their space bridge and get to Cybertron. As the team dismisses, Scarlet holds Tracker back. She needs to know if they have stabilized the Technovirus that they recovered from Master Train's body. Tracker has a non-degenerative version, but he doesn't want to use it unless he has to. On Cybertron, Baron Ironblood is pressing, pressing forward with his attack as Storm Shadow has found a suitable host for Shazrella. Nearby, Talon and Flint are with the VIPs and they're getting trapped. They call for help, and while Ironhide Prime and Windblade are busy themselves, the VIPs have priority and Ironhide transforms then plows through a bunch of cyber ninjas to rescue the humans. Elsewhere, away from the battle, Mayhem and Destro have both arrived at their destination, and Krieger complains that Shazrella is not there and has likely betrayed them. No sooner has, she, has he said that when she appears in her new body. She loads the talisman as a backpack, and they hurry inside the building before they're seen. With the battle not going well, Prime and Windblade head into the council building, where Starscream and Alita One are in a heated argument. Prime tries to calm them down by saying, if anyone should be blamed for this, it's him. Alita is accusing Marissa Fairborn as being complicit in the attack, just because she's human, and Marissa doesn't take that kindly. With Alita's gun pointed at her, Marissa accuses Alita of being a warmonger that can't solve a problem without resorting to mass murder. That gets Alita's attention, and she contacts Carcer to request reinforcements. However, they're unable to comply, as the Soul Star Order has appeared and has placed Cybertron under quarantine. They've detected diarrhea signatures on the planet, and while they don't want to go to war with the Cybertronians, they're also not going to let the infection spread. Cybertron is on its own. The Joe's team sub has reached where Autobot City is hovering over the ocean. They're met by Skyburst and Stormclash, who escort them onto Metro Titan. Soundwave tells the Joe team that the space bridge was deactivated on the Cybertronian side, and the invaders must have had access to another space bridge. Scarlet wonders if there's any way they could have piggybacked onto the existing space bridge signal, and Skyburst remembers that there was an echo during the last, tran the last use of the bridge. It's possible that they were able to use the mass device to power their own transmission onto the existing signal, and if they could do that, then the Autobots and the Joes could too. Watching the two Torchbearer twins work, Tracker is convinced that he's going to die in space. Soundwave agrees, their chances are minimal unless his team helps. Cybertron is his home, and he wants to go save it. With their device finished, the, the team 
heads to Castle Destro in Scotland to steal the mass device. To be continued. So I thought this was a, a pretty fun issue. I mean, I'm enjoying this better than Revolution. Revolution, as I remember, it seemed to be a lot more of a convoluted mess. And this seems to have a clear point A to B to C progression. Uh, I mean, there there are things going on on the sides, like the whole talisman thing. But if I kind of separate myself from the, the Transformers fan of this and just as a 80s action fan, I, I'm enjoying this a lot. Um, so the the art is is passable. I'm still not super fan uh, a super fan of the um, the Transformer designs in here. I mean, some of them seem a little bit off, but for the most part, it, it's it's passable. Um, so yeah, uh, what what do you guys think of this book? I don't disagree with you, Jeremy. I think the uh, I think the story is entertaining, uh, and I I'm I'm still on the fence about the art, but you know I've liked Marigrid's writing recently. So yeah, mm-hmm. um, the art is okay. Uh, I didn't mind it too much. A couple times Prime seemed to look. Um, he was his 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 drawing was inconsistent, yeah. um, and. Uh, much more noticeable in the face sculpt. Um, yeah, there the head was yeah. really big in some places. Yeah, the 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 panel that I, I noticed where Prime kind of looked the best though was he was entering the room um, with uh, Starscream and Alita One with Windlegged behind. That's probably the best looking he uh, he was in this whole book. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, all in all, I didn't mind the art too much. Um, the story it was it was a fun story, um, maybe because there was a lot more Transformers in this than mm-hmm. than the last issue. The part where Alita's calling Carcer had me confused. Um, I guess maybe because just the timeline for this is a, is way way the hell off. Um, but uh, but I mean Carcer's dead, right? So Carcer is their their ship. It's been rebuilt as their ship. It that is was back. until all are one. Okay. There, it's not sentient. Okay. All right, then. Um, but all in all, the story was fine. Um, I enjoyed seeing the, um, I can't remember its name, and I really should have looked it up, but the, uh, the, uh, the, the, the Venom truck. The outlaw. Yeah, that. Thing. I mentioned it in the review. Yeah, I, I wasn't listening <laughs> to you. That's uh, that's just awesome. I've seen that toy, you know, a few times in person recently, and it's just a, it's just awesome. Um, it's cool to see Ironhide transform. So uh, he transformed into what a van mode, I guess, whatever he is. Um, but uh, just plows through those ninjas. Um, I couldn't help but thinking that, uh, you know, in the IDW crossover universe, and this was answered during the AMA that uh, we kind of took part in, Jeremy and I, but uh, that these guys could have been the Foot Clan um, and brought the turtles in, but... Uh, different, yeah, different IP, but yeah, that that would have brought a whole nother level of crazy to it. Yeah. So, um, yeah. But uh, it was cool to see Ironhide's uh, alt mode because, uh, I mean, he's been in Till All R One for the last year. 
and uh, I don't think he's transformed once in that story. So, yeah. But no, it was a, it was an okay book. But um, but yeah, I'm uh, I'm still I still I think I'm only buying it because of uh, the podcast. All right, Charles, you can go now. Uh yeah, I I agree with Yoshi and Jeremy on the like the relatively good story, but the art is a little iffy. Um I think uh you know, it's it's flowing relatively well. Uh I still yeah, I mean, I I think that this book was helped by having more transformers in it. I'm always looking for more transformers in the story. Uh I do think the art on the Joes is actually really good. Uh, like mm-hmm. You know, how the Joes are drawn, the, the humans in general, I think are, are pretty good. I thought it was interesting that uh, they, so and this has been pointed out on, on the Transformers wiki, but the the bot that Shazrella takes over is a Beast Wars character named Antagony, who was a, a female uh, repaint of Inferno, the fire ant. And she had a, like, she was mentioned in a story that was told in the, like, in a future, it was, it was a part of a, a, like, some BotCon comics that were mentioning, like, what happens in the Beast Wars future and things like Mm -hmm. that. So, uh, it was just interesting that they, they plucked that character to, to be in this story here. Yeah, I wonder if they saw the name and they're like, yeah, that name is good. Let's just use that character. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I mean, and we haven't seen this character at all before the the first strike issues, so right. I wonder what's you know. What's yeah, I do the like the, the background you were seeing. You know, just kind of random no name Cybertronians, and just kind of to give the idea that there is a population there. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, overall, I uh, I think it's going well. I guess <laughs> as well as it can be expected. Okay. Cool. But uh, we're not done. There, there is still the backup story that we need to go through. This is titled The Origins of Evil Part 2, A Game of Chess. It's written by John Barber, pencils by Netho Diaz, inks by Walden Wong, and colors by David Garcia, Cru- or by David Garcia Cruz. And uh, it's a short, like, three-page, I think, story. Uh, It begins uh, months ago when Dr. X informed Destro to expect a visit from Baron Ironblood. Destro has an alliance with the two to allow them use of the mass device, but he's upset because it was not an invitation to dinner. Inside the mass device, General Joe Colton suddenly appears. Destro begins to ask what he did with Ironblood, but decides he's not really interested and orders his bats to kill him. Colton tries to convince Destro that he is in, he is indeed Ironblood. Destro isn't interested even after Colton tries to tempt him with Cybertronian technology. However, once Colton reveals that he knows how to get a space bridge signal that the mass device can latch onto, Destro calls off his troops. They begin to talk, and he's interested as long as he gets to join Colton on Cybertron. So, I mean, that is pretty much it. A, a short fight. But I mean, we're we're beginning to see the backstory of some of these characters. Um, you know, I, I thought it was a, a a nice quick story. I do like that they are filling in some of this information for, especially for those of us that don't read all of the IDW books. They're making it so you don't have to. 
Um, you guys have any, any thoughts on the, the backup story? The rendering of the Baroness is such a disappointment in her face. Where's the Baroness? Oh, on that last page? Oh. Isn't that a toy? It's supposed to be. Yeah, yeah, it's supposed to be a toy, so. It's a horrible disappointment. I can't imagine the rendering of a non-toy looking much better. Right. It is kind of disturbing that Destro has a little toy of himself and the Baroness. They're action you figures. Can kind of imagine and like they pushing play. them together. <laughs> it's like that scene in Spaceballs where Darth Helmet is playing with his action figures. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I uh, the uh, this comic was was fine. I mean the the this the execution was fine, but I couldn't get over the fact that why does Joe Colton transport into the Destro's stronghold as Joe Colton? Why wouldn't he just go? as Baron Ironblood make his offer and his deal, then reveal that he's actually yeah. Joe Colton. I mean, <laughs> yeah, I was wondering the same thing. Maybe he's just being so arrogant. The, he he just felt like he needed an exercise to destroy some robots fighting, uh, fighting Destro's robots. Daryl, you have any thoughts on this? On the short one? It's, it's, it's okay. I guess it's wasn't, I mean the, the panel with uh, uh, Colton ripping through the robots is, is cool. Um, but, uh, I mean, the story, um, it's, it's okay. I was meh. I didn't really care for it. Okay. Well, my, my biggest question in all this is, do we still know how Colton is not dead and a dire wraith? I mean, was that ever answered in, in any book? Nope. So maybe it's answered in revolutionaries number eight that is still not out yet. That that's probably likely. Okay. All right. Well, I mean, uh, that is it for our review of First Strike number two. Uh, Thanks, everyone, for listening to Transmissions Extra. And we will have more coming up as First Strike continues. Bye, everybody. Later. Bye-bye. Bye. story starts out with the Joe team uh, still in Joe Colton's office um, as Scarlett is finishing reading his letter to her. The letter ends with a hope that she takes the next thing that happens as a compliment. And as she reads that, a horde of red shadow cyber ninjas burst through the wall and attack them. The Joes start blasting the ninjas as they try to make their escape, and they nearly make it to their transport helicopter when it suddenly explodes. Scarlet did make it uh, out with Colton's wait, manifesto. Sorry, Jeremy. What? Jeremy. Jeremy. Sorry. What? You never read the credits. You never read the credits. <laughs> but it's okay. You didn't do anything. It's kind wrong. of a double-edged sword, Jeremy. If you if you criticize Charles, he's gonna seek and destroy until he finds something. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, but he could have waited until I'm done yeah. and I could have read it and then edited it back in. <laughs> no, he's gotta put the dick move in because he feels like he was dicked against. <laughs> There's a lot of dick waving going on here, boys.